Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know the the David Foster Wallace thing about the two fish are swimming and the old fish comes by and he says, "Hey boys, how the water? How's the water?" And the two fish look at each other and say, "What's water?" Wait, tell like, me more. I need to know this. The right is so good. It's like this idea of like, wait, what's water? Like you, that you can't even see it. It's so because everywhere. You're in it. Yep. You can't see it. And I think with particularly what I see with like my older white male relatives, but sometimes my white female relatives is like they're so pointed in on their own perspective and the perspective is privileged. So they think they're an expert on everybody's perspective. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle and this is Help a Human Out. It's a podcast all about feelings and conversation, sometimes funny, sometimes heavy, but always with the goal of helping people through the wild roller coaster of life. On today's episode, we are going to talk about dealing with, well, I'll just let Megan set this one up for you. Hi, Still Kicking and Miss Danielle. My name is Megan. I live in the Midwest and I would love to hear you talk a little bit about apologizing. Um, I recently had a situation in my family where an aunt of mine sent me an email criticizing, of course, what else in 2020, but my political choices, um, telling me that they clash with my um, religious upbringing. Um, Not only do I wholeheartedly disagree, but what hurt me the most of this email was that there were 15 other family members copied on this email that was addressed solely to me. After a response where I just indicated and justified my position without asking or demanding that she change her opinion, I was met with a um, response that was a doubling down of sorts. It included more hateful rhetoric and stricter, harsher judgment of my moral character. Um, And it was sent to the extended family when I had specifically asked that future discussions be be moved privately. Um, After this, I was enraged um, and I actually wrote a letter the following day that I waited five days to send in the mail to take it off of off of computer screens, take this discussion, you know, maybe to a more physical space. I think it's so easy for us to hide behind computers. So I mailed this letter after not hearing from my aunt for a week. And I made it very clear that I, I wrote the letter the day after the original incident and that I, again... I'm not asking her to change her opinions or her faith, but for the following reasons, this is why it hurt me and why I think that I deserve an apology. And I have basically been met with a refusal to apologize, a statement that I need to respect my elders, um, 
And I have since decided that without an apology, I can't go forward in this relationship. And I just want to know, is it okay to cease a relationship with somebody? Should you have to force an apology? I, I, I don't want to just placate things. I just don't want things to be swept under the rug. I, I was genuinely hurt by this. And I want to know if I'm supposed to continually demand an apology or let it go. I feel like I cannot keep bringing this up in my life and my brain week after week after week. And subject matter aside, I just, I find it really shocking that a family member when, when faced with a statement that they hurt another person in their family would not apologize. So yeah, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on apologies and, and what to do how to ask for them, and what to do when they're met with a refusal. So, thank you. Okay, Megan, first and foremost, your auntie has some soul-searching to do, but I will not jump the gun on that just yet. Here's the other thing. We can't talk about this topic without talking about a lot of things. We're going to talk about privilege and race, the election, all of it because this is so much bigger than just one letter from one aunt. Obviously, we're going to help Megan out and answer her question. That's what we do here. But we are also going to talk about a lot of things going on in the world right now and how others might be in the same situation that Megan is. The good news is, is that we are bringing in a ringer for this one. Her name is Sarah Stewart Holland, and she is the co-host of both Pantsuit Politics and The Nuance Life, both really good podcasts, and you should download and subscribe obviously. She's the co-author of the book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, and so many other things. She's a boss, basically. I instantly loved her, and I know you're going to love her too, so let's dive right into my conversation with Sarah. Okay, so (laughs) this is a tough one, right? Because we are, well, very political right now. The entire world is kind of political, definitely this country. And our listener, Megan, had a interesting question about having to apologize or, or, excuse me, wanting an apology for some craziness Auntie is spewing to her. Now, Sarah, you deal with politics. This is this is your realm all day, every day. Yes. So what are we going to do with Megan? She's frustrated. You've heard the question. I'm sure this is not a question that only Megan has. We all have someone in our life who definitely disagrees with us politically. And Megan is enraged, she said. She's frustrated. She wrote this letter. She wants an apology from Auntie. And we're going to dive into that. But first and foremost, how did you get into talking about politics? (laughs) I've always talked about politics. I was like the little girl um, talking my grandfather's ear off in the car about FDR and JFK and what did it mean. And um, I've just always been fascinated by politics and politicians and the way people interact about um, how we're really just going to live together as a community because that's what politics and laws are. Um, And, you know, I went to undergrad for political science. I went to law school in Washington, D.C. I worked in presidential politics. I worked on Capitol Hill. And when I moved back to my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky, I thought, um, well, I didn't think for a while because I was too busy reproducing and had three boys in pretty short order. Um, (laughs) 
But when I when I got my brain back uh, from my uterus, I uh, thought I really missed this, and I actually ran for office in 2016 and served a single term on my city commission and simultaneously um, reached out to a friend of mine from undergrad. Well, actually, she had reached out to me and asked if she could post on my parenting blog at the time. And it had gone over really well. And I said, well, would you ever be, I knew she was of an opposing, at the time, political um, opinion of than mine. And I thought, would you ever be interested in a podcast? And she said, what's a podcast? And I said, don't worry, we'll cover that because it was 2015. And um, we started Pantsuit Politics. And the idea was really to give people a space to have a different type of political conversation. For us to have space to have a polit- different type of political conversation, we really didn't want to just pair it the talking points at each other. We really wanted to be able to connect and learn more about ourselves and about each other and about our values and our community. And I hope that's what we do every week at Pantsy Politics. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I imagine, and, and since you said you've always talked about politics, right? I imagine that talking about politics this year, this election year, might have been a little bit different. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is talking about politics in 2020 different than talking about politics in past years? Um, I think that talking about politics has been different ever since Donald Trump came on the scene. I don't know if 2020 is um, that much more different. I mean, I guess it is because the pandemic has made politics relevant Mm. to literally every person's life. Um, but his particular form of politics changed, I think, the way everyone engaged um, and really raised the stakes, raised the heat, raised the emotion. Um, changed for, everything, really. Yeah, for lots of people. I don't think that he is the disease. I think he's a symptom of the disease, but he definitely um, turned the dial up to 11. I'm so happy that you said that. Um, so as a Black woman— this has been in a very interesting four years, obviously. But even more so, this last year has been intense. Not only am I a Black woman, I'm a Black woman from Minneapolis, Minnesota, which mm. was where George Floyd was murdered, right? And so, in, and I'm talking about Minnesota, Minnesota. Like, I was Miss Minnesota 2007. So, like, I'm born and raised, I, I bleed purple like the Minnesota Vikings and Prince. And so— And Lizzo. Is, Yes, and Lizzo, come on. Yes, of course, Lizzo. We I made a very impassioned plea that Lizzo deserves a Nobel Peace Prize on our podcast. She does. Okay, she see, does. this is a whole nother podcast episode, girl. We could talk mm-hmm. for days about Lizzo because she is, she's doing amazing and brilliant things. But this has been um, a year that has almost, for me and so many people, <laughs> it feels almost not survivable. Mm. I think that it is absolutely true that we are in two pandemics, right? We have the COVID-19 pandemic and we have the, the you know, racial reckoning mm-hmm. that we are all facing. And, I, you know, as a, as a white lady, I struggle to talk about this because I don't want to make it sound like, oh, well, we just found out. Uh, not all of us just found out. Hello. Lots of people already knew. And so... I'm not going to talk about it. Like, I need to, we need to listen. Shut your mouth. Like, this is not our time to make arguments or impassioned pleas because we are not the injured party here. And, and, it, it, and I'm, first of all, I love you for saying that because it's so real, right? We, we, it feels like we're getting into a point where the world is so divisive, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And some days I feel like, 
I don't even know how to to navigate this, which is crazy, right? Like I've navigated a lot of intense things, but this is something that I've never navigated before. It is complete uncharted territory. Being black, got that down. I've done it my whole life. Being black and dealing with undercover racism, I can deal with that too. Being black and also a woman and dealing with what comes with that, I've managed for a really long time. But what has happened in the last four years is I am black in a very blatant racist Mm -hmm. world. And that is the switch I wasn't ready for, right? And so all of this is happening. Everything is so divisive. And I don't know how Megan identifies, but I can tell you right now, people are passionate about this election, right? Yep. There's no yep. question about it. And and Megan is pissed off. Auntie mm-hmm. has ruffled all the feathers for Megan, right? Yep. And she's like, I think that I deserve this apology as well as some other people deserve this apology. She says she's been met with a refusal to apologize, a statement that I need to respect my elders. She has, you know, basically decided that without this apology, she cannot move forward. And I'm sitting here and I'm hearing her and I know without a doubt that there are people we will never, ever get apologies from. And I just want to know where you are with this. I think the first thing I want to say to Megan is that you are not alone. Mm. There are, I believe this, thousands and thousands of women reckoning with this exact situation right now. I know because they're filling up my inbox. Oh, Um, girl. And America is not perfect, but I think particularly for millennials— we were taught and believed that all men were created equal. And yeah. that we have to unlearn a lot of that, and that's not always true. But we were taught that was the goal. And so then to have a president that was kind of like, like with a wink and a nod is like, oh, no, that's not really the goal. There are people that were like, oh, no, hell no. That's the goal. I'm staying with that as a goal. You know, four years ago, when all of this was happening, and and, and we know what Megan is saying. Megan is saying that she she's frustrated. She can't believe some of the things that are coming. We've all been there, okay? I feel for Megan because I know how difficult it is to love someone even when you're like, whoa, this is a very unlovable thing about you. Mm-hmm. And how do I rectify this? Because yeah. the truth is, sometimes you can. And the all other truth is, for me, the black doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that I cannot rectify. Yep. And I've had, I've lost decade-old friendships in the last year because I couldn't rectify it. And so this is going to be a tough situation for Megan because she she's, wants this apology. But if her aunt is who I believe her aunt might be from her description and from her trying to reach out and trying to say, hey, I don't need you to change your opinion. I need you to, you to hear me and auntie is refusing to hear her, I, I don't know how that changes. Yeah, and, I, and I, what I hear from her in this religious upbringing moral character in the email is the other th- strand I see unraveling across America, mm-hmm. which is there were a lot of women that were taught, you vote a certain way if you want to go to heaven. Um, if you're a good, yep. good Christian, you vote Republican. And and they centered that on the issue of life and loving babies and loving kids. And so separating children at the border, I think, shattered that in the same way that George Floyd shattered this narrative that we are all colorblind and everybody's treated equal. You know, I think mm-hmm. there was just this reckoning of like, they told me this and now they're winking and nodding and saying, not really, but follow along anyway. 
And I mean, we get email after email every week of people just like Megan, family members that are like, you are disappointing me. And listen, you know, I don't care what color your skin is. If you're a woman and your family's telling you they're disappointed in you, that's hard. That's hard because as women, we are taught to please, to bring comfort, to avoid conflict. And so I To shrink am, yourselves, to make everybody yes. else comfortable. To sh- Your job as a woman, we are literally taught that our job as women is to shrink ourselves, to make yep. everybody else comfortable. And I am so immensely proud and empowered by women like Megan and in our audience who are saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can choose, I'm going to continue to love you. And you can continue to love me, but we are not going to agree, and I will not stay silent anymore. And they're getting met like Megan is with, I'm disappointed, and how could you, and don't you respect me? I've had that conversation with my own father, whose politics are the exact opposite of mine. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you don't respect me, because I think for older generation, respect means you think I'm right. And like a conversation I have with him a lot is, We are not equal in this conversation. I have a degree in political science, a law degree. I've worked for a presidential candidate. I've worked on Capitol Hill, and I've served in public office myself. And my job is to read and talk about politics. And I will not act like I am not an expert in this because I am. Nor should you not have to act like you are not the expert because you literally are the expert on this, right? And, you know, I, I am not the expert on politics, but I will say... I've lived the black experience for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've lived the woman experience. Um, there's a I wear a lot of different hats as mom, as educator, as you know, all these different hats that we all wear. This has been the most exhausting year of my life, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. and I and I know I'm not alone in this. And Megan is exhausted. I'm sure you're exhausted. We've had to have these conversations, and and it is really difficult to be so offended and so hurt. And then to try to have to navigate that with the people you love. It it is such a hard juxtaposition, right? Like, I love you, but what the hell just came out your mouth? (laughs) Well, and what we always say, you know, our thing is grace-filled political conversations. And Mm -hmm. I, listen, I am an Enneagram one. I don't know if you do the Enneagram. Self-righteousness is my favorite emotion. But like, I have to know that about myself. And I don't like that this is true, but it is. You can give grace without receiving it. That's sort of what grace is all about. It's unearned. And you, what Megan's reaction to her aunt, what I want Megan to think about is how it will affect her, not how it will affect the aunt. Because you have to protect yourself at all costs. Like, this is real deal self-preservation. Well, and not just self-preservation. Because I think self-preservation is important, and I would never, ever, never, not once, ask someone ask someone um, who is traumatized mm-hmm. or who is, you know, like what we talk a lot about on our show with women who are white is that we have privilege in situations. And if you want to be a good ally, it's accessing that privilege to be in difficult conversations that other people can't do because of safety. So I'm not ever asking anyone to enter a situation in which they are not safe, um, in which there is the presence of trauma. Come on, Sarah. You are, listen, you are speaking to my soul right now. Like that's I appreciate not, you. you know, and I think that that's, that's what people hear sometimes, I think, when they hear like, oh, well, let's all have civil conversations. No, some people are not called to have civil conversations with other people. That's not everybody's work to do in the world. 
Um, but I think that for those who are safe and who feel privileged in the situation where there isn't a presence of trauma, there is ama- there are amazing things that you can learn about yourself. There is amazing growth accessible when you give grace and kindness to your family. Because what we always tell, when you feel like you're not receiving it in return, because what we tell people is like, this is a long game of influence. Influence is not one conversation or email. Influence is a long game. It's showing up, showing kindness, exhibiting your values, and saying over and over again, like I say to my own father, I am sorry that you are hearing disrespect. That is not what I intend. Right. That's not what I intend. I do not take back what I said, because what I said is true. But it was not meant to disrespect you. I can disagree with you and still respect you. And I think like that, just saying that over and over again, but I learned too, like I will never forget one time in a conversation with him, and I think this was around the confirmation of Justice Kavanaugh. He said, you know, I'm an old white man, but I still have worth. And I burst into tears because I said, I thought, I know, I don't think you're worthless. I don't think my own father is worthless. You know, of course you have worth. But he said that sincerely because that's what white men hear though, right? If you do not respect me and if you do, because listen, and I have, I'm the mother of three white boys. I, listen, I'm the mother of three white boys. I think about this a lot. That that position they hold, like I think about James Baldwin, who always says like, racism is toxic for everyone. Mm-hmm. Whiteness is toxic for white people too. And that let like, that what you're hearing in my dad saying that is, this is what they've told me is my worth. My worth is my authority. Yes. Yep, and my power. And so if you're telling me to step aside or share it, what I hear is I don't have worth. I don't want that for my white sons. I don't want them to think that only through suppressing other people's flourishing can they have worth. Come on. Listen, and I'm glad that you're raising babies because you have this perspective. I completely agree. I always thought to myself, um, when I was talking, having conversations with people I love about white privilege, people who have... um, you know, this, this, these are some of these conversations have been over years. I'm talking about decades. Like, mm-hmm. no, this, we live a different experience. This is what it is. Some of them were worth holding on to because I felt like there will be a shift. You know, some of them took 20 plus years and George Floyd was the shift and they're now here. And I'm like, well, welcome to the team. Yeah. But <laughs> been in this game for a really long time. I appreciate you being here. And, and that's the truth. The people who have made it here, I'm showing them all the grace because thank you. I, I'm I'm a little frustrated and saddened that it took you watching over eight minutes of a man being tortured to death. Mm-hmm. But you're here now. Thank you for showing up. I'm glad we're in this together. And so it has taken a lot of grace. I think the flip side for me is I'm not white, right? Mm-hmm. So I I can give grace to a certain point. And then my safety is challenged. Right. And so I think for me as a, a as a person of color and as a black person, you know, I lead a little different life because I show as much grace as I possibly can because I do believe in redemption. And I do believe that people deserve ch- second chances. I, I do. But if it gets to the point where you're, you're coming and my peace is, it, it's hard to protect my peace in this world anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had I I had a, a a black son who did not live. He died in utero, and you know what? I'm relieved. Mm. That is my life. <laughs> mm. My life is that I carried a boy, and he did not survive, 
And there was a part of me that was relieved Mm. because that's just my truth right now. And so for Mm. me, it's a little bit harder to just— I I try so hard to hang on to the grace. I try so hard to say, okay, this is a fight. I got to keep fighting. And there, and you can help people and you can teach people. And then there's some days that I'm like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Like legit. Like I, 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 I can't. And so I'm so grateful that um, my, my sisters who are women who are white and not white women are doing a lot of this work now because I'm exhausted. Yeah. No. And I'm glad Megan is doing some of this work, and I'm glad you're doing this work, because I, I, we can't do it no. alone anymore. And you shouldn't have to. And I think that, first of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm so sorry Th- that, thank you, you, thank that you. we live in a society that that is the, the emotion you experience in the yeah. face of that pain. Thank you. And I think, you know, I, when I'm thinking about this, and I, I'm, especially if I'm in the, the privileged position of offering someone else advice about their own life, I lean really heavy into the to the work of the civil rights movement, into mm-hmm. Howard Thurman and Martin Luther King Jr. And these people who, and James Baldwin, and people yes. who said, you know, I will not dehumanize because that dehumanizes me. And maybe that's the, all I can achieve right now. And maybe that's my minimum, Right. Mm-hmm. is if I can just hold on to your humanity because in sacrificing your humanity, I sacrifice a piece of my own. Then, I see, that is so powerful. And it's and so I, hard. It's it, it's so powerful. It's so hard. And, and I hear you, right? Because you said, I will not. It For me, what I hear is, and, and, and I believe that, like I try so hard to not, not falter on who I am as a person, as in like my character, what I really believe. And I believe in people, right? I believe in people. But it's really hard to see someone else's humanity when yours is constantly questioned. Mm-hmm. And that is like, who I didn't realize I was going to be as emotional as I am right now. <laughs> I crown every podcast. I probably yeah. should have told you that. Listen, I, I, I think it's really difficult when you're dealing with someone who is literally staring you in the face and you're saying, like, hey, I, I, yeah, I believe all lives matter, obviously. Like, I, I, I'm telling you that, and I'm telling you I believe all lives matter, and I'm telling you that I believe in these things. And I'm just saying I'm focused on black lives right now because there's some things happening in the world, and you're still screaming back at me, black lives matter. Like, I'm trying to see your humanity, but you're literally denying mine, and that's kind of where I get stuck, right? Well, because I think with, like, with someone like, if, even like with Megan, when I say that's the minimum, I mean, like— how I how I talk about you or feel about you in my own mind, in my own writing, in my own speech. It does not mean that I am in the presence of you ever or at all. Right? That you part. see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I like. To me, like, and then that once I decide, I will not dehumanize. I will not dehumanize because of my faith and because of people's, like I said, people examples that I've that I believe in and that I follow, and that is the minimum, right? I'm not going to dehumanize in my language, in my behavior, but that does not mean that I remove all boundaries and invite you into my life and condone your opinions. Like yes, there's a okay, universe of options between I will not dehumanize and I condone what you believe, and we 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 push those together a lot. Like oh, I don't know on Twitter. Like I think you know what I mean. Like yes. but that's not what I'm saying. Like I don't like we, like we always say on our podcast. Like we think a lot about this with with regards to like who will we share our platform with. Well, we don't share our platform with with positions that are oppressive or dehumanizing. We also don't speak about anyone on our podcast, no matter how horrific their opinions, in a dehumanizing way. 
Those are two different options. That, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is a spectrum of things. And I think, like, I, especially with your family, I think you can choose to love your family, choose to exhibit grace, and also put up lots of healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and say, you know, I'm sorry because of the stress of, you know, I think people are encountering this right now with because of COVID. I love you. We see this differently. And I do not feel safe. entering a family gathering right now. And so I apologize if you hear that as disrespect or um, not a prioritization of our fail or whatever this case is, but like sort of like Beth always says, we should like annotate our conversations, annotate our relationships. Yeah. So this email made me feel here. I needed to take five days to calm down because your words were so hurtful to me. That doesn't mean, but like, I just, I think that I would be careful um, not to, um, you know, start to see your family at like as less than. Because I think it's, it seems like that should be the hardest place to do it. But for better, for worse, I think family, we feel ownership over our family. And so it's really quick and easy to be like, they're idiots, I'm done. Right. And, you and know, you're preaching to the choir right now because I'm kind of there, right? And I am... Okay, so what I'm hearing you say and what I think I'm going to try, and I'm going to say try because Lord have mercy. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. (laughs) There's going to be some missteps. Trust me. So we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors, but stick around. We'll be right back. Here at Help a Human Out, every episode we reserve a free ad space for a BIPOC-owned business. If that sounds like you, send us an email at podcast at stillkickin.co. This week, we're talking about Gigi's Flair Emporium, a business that is as fun as it sounds. Gigi Berry started this company because she believes that you're never fully dressed without accessories. She sells enamel pins, stickers, patches, and tons of other miscellaneous cute stuff. You can even buy kitty defense knuckles and COVID-safe door openers. From Minnesota merch to pins with references from your favorite TV shows, this shop has got it all. Personally, I love everything that Gigi makes. I don't go anywhere without my door opener. Okay, it's on my keychain. I can open a door and I can also press the little credit card keypad buttons without touching that germ fest. Plus, did you know that Gigi is also our merch queen here at Still Kickin' and is responsible for designing some of the best Still Kickin' merchandise that you love? Gigi's Flare Emporium is the perfect place for clever holiday gifts for everyone on your list. Because in case you didn't uh, notice, uh, we're shopping directly from artists and small businesses this holiday season. We believe that everyone needs a little flair. So shop everything adorable, sassy, and fierce at gigisflareemporium.com. That's G-I-G-I-S flareemporium.com. Or find her on Instagram at Emporium. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
And we're back. Megan asked us about this situation with her aunt, putting her on blast in front of the whole family for her political views. We're talking with Sarah Holland about how to deal with these conversations and dealing with being human in a hyper-politicized world. Let's get back to it. What I'm hearing you say is that center yourself in humanity and not just Mm -hmm. my own, but in theirs as well. Mm -hmm. And what we do know more than anything else, is that humans have multiple missteps. We are not perfect. We will mess this up. We will not always get it right. But that's where that grace piece comes in. And I think I have done... So when when we decided to do this podcast, I mean, it's, it's clear as day in the title, we wanted to help a human out. What I didn't anticipate was the personal growth Mm-hmm. and how all these things were going to, like, stare me in the face also. Because really, we're trying to help Megan here. And I'm and I'm great. And I think Megan's getting some really great things. But every single time, it never fails. Every single time we do this damn podcast, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got some more self-work to do. Right. <laughs> like, and it's the truth. I want to grow. And I, right. and I don't what's the, want uh, what's to. The, uh, what's the um, alternative? Right. To harden and freeze? I don't want that. Exactly. Recently, as in, like, two days ago, I thought to myself, 2020 is the reason why some people harden years like 2020, experiences like COVID, um, experiences like George Floyd. So uh, for the longest time, I was like, I never want to be an old, mean person. I just want to keep my spirit. And lo and behold, my beautiful, bright spirit has started to harden a little bit. And I don't like it, Sarah. Yeah. I don't like it. I always say, you know— well, the first thing I say is that I do believe hatred, hatefulness is a preservative. I've seen this with some of the people in my own family. I just mm-hmm. think sometimes you're hateful, you live longer. And I don't know if that's punishment or what. But Listen, I believe um, it. But I think, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy is not complicated. It's just hard. It's also not it's easy. Hard as hell. I really don't like it. And I wish desperately that it didn't work or that there was exceptions to the rule. For example, like an exception in which you can write your own exceptions. I would like that rule. There are mm-hmm. people I would like to put on the exception list. Desperately. Um, desperately, I would like to. You know, I got and my own list too. Again, self-righteousness is my favorite emotion. Jesus flipping the tables is my favorite Jesus. Right? Um, but he is not the only Jesus. As much Jesus as had enough. <laughs> Jesus had had enough. Uh, but he had other things to say beyond just flipping the table. And I need those things, because, again, for my own self. And I think with politics, what I tell people, and this is the realization that I really came to after 2016. Because I think we can talk about influence and personal relationships. But we also have to talk about power inside this country that we live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I always say is like, I don't think Louisiana plans on leaving the union. I don't think California plans on leaving the union. And for better or for worse, we are stuck here together. Yeah. And I want to keep going. I think some people might not at this point, honestly, but I do. I, for better or for worse, do want to continue with the United States, with, with this unfinished symphony, with this experiment. Okay, Hamilton. Right? Come on. And I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm listening. I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I want to continue. And so I have to acknowledge that there are people, you know, with which I will never agree. And I think, you know, especially politically, we say influence is a long game because I want to work on those people and I want to bring them around to my side. 
And yeah. I've tried for a good solid 20 years to use shame to do that, and it just doesn't work. It just, I want it to work. I want it to work so, so badly. I want to send the right Atlantic article and the right, like, data set, and people be like, oh, you're right. And mm-hmm. damn it, it, that has never gone my way. Like, never, never. Renee talks all about the shame stuff, and it's the truth. Like, you can shame people. Shame doesn't change people. It doesn't. Like, that, the only thing that really changes people is love, I think. And listen, here's what else changes people. We saw this with masking because social pressure, that's a real fine line, right? Because I think shame is an individual pursuit and social pressure is a community activity. Yes, it is. So I think that's where we're, that's what we're trying to walk through, right? Is influence is individual, but power comes from groups. And I think, you know, we all have our individual work so that hopefully the group is stronger. And we're all just on different Parts of our journey. Yes. We're just wavelengths. This is my favorite language. Oprah says some people are um, low frequency. I just love that language. Yes. Hello. I see Oprah always has some good I mean, she raised me every day at 4 o'clock. Every day. 4 o'clock. She raised us, friend. She raised us. And I, it's the truth. Like, some people are low frequency. And as you here's the deal. When you start to vibrate higher, regardless of what it is, people are going to drop off. You're not going to see eye to eye. Some people, you're like, okay, this was a season. I get it. You were a part of this season, and I appreciate it. But now we have to move forward. And here's the other thing, the growth, right? So Megan is on a different journey than Auntie, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) When you change and you don't fit in their world anymore, it's not even so much that they're mad that you changed. They're mad that you outgrew them. Yes. And they don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to say, I'm stuck here and you're, you're, you're not here anymore. And that makes me sad. And you don't fit in my world anymore because you've got all these new things and I'm still here. Yep. And so when you no longer fit what people think you should fit or you, when I started changing, all of a sudden I felt so good about myself, right? I mm-hmm. said, oh, these are things that, you know, I got a lot of bad habits I want to break and I started working on them. And, and day by day, I'm breaking these bad habits and I am so proud of myself. I'm empowered. I feel good. And damn it, all my people were mad at me. Yep. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm just trying to grow. And they were mad at me because my growth somehow reminded them that they were stagnant. Yep. And then it became a whole damn problem. Well, and I've had this in my own family. Like, I have a lot of, well, you think you're better than us. Yep. That's um, exa- oh, I get it all the time. Right. I'm like, well, I have so many questions. Um, like, a lot of this surrounds, like, I, my dad got on a kick where it's like, oh, well, college ruined you. And I kind of want to be like, well, first of all, if you think that I'm in a better situation than you are, wasn't that the goal? Like, right. wasn't the goal for me to, be to better. rise above and to be better? And like my co-host named this so well though. She was like, I just think that you have more comfort within the in these places of disagreement than my dad does. I do think there's a generational thing that lies. You need to um like because I think about how someone like Auntie or my dad, like they were raised like like children were seen and not heard, and that there was this like family loyalty that took precedent. Like, we weren't here to help each other flourish. We were here to be loyal. Like, that's different, right? Mm -hmm. Loyalty can't always coexist with everyone's flourishing. Um, And it's about what, like you said, you said earlier, you said something along the lines of, because when your dad feels challenged, it's not that, like, it's like, 
he feels like somehow his worth is being questioned, yes. right? Yeah. And that's how I feel when I, like, when I would talk to people about white privilege and then they would deny it. And I would be like, hey, I'm not blaming you for this. I'm right. not telling you you did anything to get it or that you're bad for it. I'm just simply asking you to acknowledge it. I mean, I had a conversation with a family member one time where I said, or what I articulated was, I will not argue with a black person about what it's like to be black. And he literally said to me, oh, I would. Oh, I'm my like, God. like, wait, what? <laughs> but but I, think, I think that's generational, too. Really? Like, they, can't, they can't even see. There isn't—yes, I really believe this. You know the— was, you know, This the was a male. David I think Foster's, that's toxic masculinity. Yes. Yeah, that, too, for sure. You know the the David Foster Wallace thing about the two fish are swimming, and the old fish comes by, and he says, hey, boys, how the water? how's the water? And the two fish look at each other and say, what's water? Wait, tell like, me more. I need to know this. The right is so good. It's like this idea of like, wait, what's water? Like you, that you can't even see it. It's so because everywhere. Yep. You can't see it. And I think with particularly what I see with like my older white male relatives, but sometimes my white female relatives is like, they're so pointed in on their own perspective and the perspective is privileged. So they think they're an expert on everybody's perspective. That's and I love that just, thing where they talk about ugh. the interlocking circles where, like, the further you move out, like, the truth is people on the outside of privilege are experts on everybody facing in because they have to be for their own survival. Like how they always say, like, people who work in retail have the highest emotional intelligence. Well, duh. Like, of course they do. And, like, <laughs> they have to. Right. And, like, I think that that's, like, they can't, but they can't. It's just, it's such groupthink. It's so, my privilege means I'm an expert. Like, they, they confuse those things, right? That yeah. the privilege means that I am an expert. Because, again, like what we're talking about with masculinity, because it's it's the worth is built on the belief that I should be in charge. And if I'm not in charge, then I'm not worthy. I, in fairness, the same relative said to me one time, and I see this in Donald Trump so much, he wants to be the victim and the hero at the same time, and that is so toxic. Oh, it, well, it's also narcissistic. I think there are people who understand privilege but if you admit to it, then you actually have to, if you admit to it, right? If you admit to it, then then you know, then it's here, you've admitted to it. And if you admit to it, then maybe you have to start being more aware of it. And the truth of the matter is, there are a lot of benefits of white privilege. Mm-hmm. And maybe, just maybe, there's a part of you that understands that and doesn't want to let go of some of those privileges. Because when you know it, then you have to say, yep, it exists. And then most of us, when we know something like that exists, we have to fight against it. We have to say, okay, I'm aware of this and I'm going to take action. But a lot of people benefit from this, right? Everybody's not trying to lose those benefits. One, yes. I think there is a sense, especially when people talk about their own kids. Like, and I, like I, th- I, I truly think like in the way we raise our children, the way we opportunity hoard, like, I think that that is some of the biggest reflections of white privilege. And I think the conscious or subconscious thought is, I'm, I have to get what's best for my kid. And that's, you know, everybody does that. Everybody wants what's best for their kid. And there's a scarcity mindset. If I don't have it, like, there's only so much to go around. And I have to get it for my kid and my family. Mm-hmm. And what I say over and over again is like, that's not what's best for your kid. Right. My kid will not thrive. My children could not, cannot thrive in a world where all the decision makers and all the problem solvers and all the perspectives that could 
challenge climate change and inequality are not at the table. Like, I don't want that world for them. I don't want them to be at the top of a stunted pile. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not victory or success to me. That's not, I don't want that for them. And if that means— It's also a myth. Yes. Yes. It's, it's it's also a myth. It's it's like you're you're buying into this myth and you're teaching your kids even if you're not saying like you're better than everyone else, if you're affording them different things, if you're not giving them diverse opportunities, if you're not putting them around diversity, if you're not having these tough conversations, if you're not including certain books, if you're not giving them friends that don't just look like them. And I'm not talking about just race. I'm talking about disabilities. I'm talking yes. about all of it. If you're not exposing your kids to that, you are not doing the best thing for them. You are right. simply believing the myth and reinforcing the myth that they are the best, they are better, and that that's just what it is. And inevitably, their their narrative will crumble. Yeah. And so if their narrative has been, you must succeed in order to be worthy, and success looks like this, and they inevitably don't meet that, instead of saying there is no normal or there is no average, you know, like there's there's only shared flourishing. There's only the the beauty of diversity. And I invite you into this. But like hierarchy is like this, this idea that hierarchy is how things function best in business and government and church is so that's that talk about the water. Talk about the mm-hmm. matrix. It's everywhere. Everywhere. And I think, but I think that my two my second part of that answer is I think some of it is fear of what they will lose. Mm. And I think the other part of it is throwing good money after bad. Because like I was saying before, sacrifices are made on that altar. Yep. And I, this is what I was, I was talking about with another group when we talk about, okay, well, why are white women voting for Trump? Why did white women vote for Trump in 2016? Why do they do that? And I said, like, there is a choice to follow, like to to align yourself with the patriarchy. Yeah, whiteness over womanhood. Right, to sac- to to soak up whatever you can. But that comes at a cost. And so it is it it takes a lot to look at what you have given up and then say, well it it was all for naught. So let's mm. say you sacrificed your own dreams. Let's say you turned from your own career or you turned from a gay child or you've hit a family a secret abortion for decades. Like you made those choices on that altar. You 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 laid it there and you created disconnection in your own family, even maybe among your own children. And then you have to look at all that and say, instead of keep like, it was worth it. That's how I know it's worth it is because I keep doing it. I keep, you know what I mean? Like I keep propping it up because that's how I know all that sacrifice was worth it. Right. And to say, no, all those sacrifices, like that's painful to say, I made those sacrifices and it was for naught. That, that was a false God. Yeah. That was a false altar. And to turn from all of that and say, and, you know, have to carry the pain of those choices that you made for the patriarchy, you know what I mean? Like, that's hard too. I think there's a fear of what will be lost. And I think there is immense shame about what was sacrificed for those priorities. And I yeah, think and that is a like really— Yeah, have to stare it in the face. Yes, you have to look at those choices and mm-hmm. say, okay, well, if I no longer believe that, you know, I, even as small as like voting, like we have so many listeners that feel so sad and they are grieving and they feel ashamed of their votes in 2016. I bet they do. You know, and they're having to look at it and say— I was, you know, I was wrong. They have to, but you have to admit that like confirmation bias is like the most powerful freaking psychological force on planet Earth. I believe that. Like 
to admit you were wrong is hard for humans to do. We're coming we're coming back here because we've we've navigated so many different conversations within this. We have not forgotten about you, Megan. <laughs> no, Megan, you are here. And, and, and honestly, Megan, we're so happy you gave us this question because clearly we're all having a lot to deal with this. Okay, Megan, you have opened up all of it and we're happy to be discussing it and hoping that we get you some type of resolution. So I'm going to say this. I do believe that Megan deserves an apology. Yep. I don't think she should want it so bad because her mm. aunt is clearly not where, and this is just my opinion, and I'm interested to hear where you land on this, Sarah, but my opinion is auntie was bogus as hell. Auntie mm-hmm. didn't hear her. Auntie then put her on blast to the rest of the family, and, like, that's just petty to me, and I don't do petty. I don't like petty. You can believe what you want to believe, but that's petty as hell. She put mm-hmm. she put her on blast, and that's not cool. I do think she deserves an apology. I wouldn't want an apology from someone who if if auntie gives the apology it doesn't feel like it's going to be genuine anyway like it, auntie's not moving yeah. the way that it appears megan moves and so sometimes in life we have to accept an apology that's never going to come right like yeah. we're just going you just have to move past it and say okay i'm not going to get this from this because even if you get that apology from auntie she's still who she is like well right? let's like, call you, let's call up mama oprah i love the quote she uses about you know he, like resenting or holding on anger towards someone is like drinking a poison and expecting the other person to die. I think Megan just has to decide who she wants to be coming out of this. She has no control over her aunt. Zero Exactly. So she has to to decide who she is and who she wants to be coming out of this interaction. Right. And, And what I would say is one of the biggest takeaways for me in this conversation was leading with humanity, your own and somebody Mm -hmm. else's. Like, auntie is still a human. Maybe nope. a flawed human. She's a passive aggressive one, but maybe a passive aggressive. Right. Maybe a passive aggressive flawed ass human who irritates us. However, mm-hmm. Auntie is still a human. But like you said, Sarah, you said boundaries, right? Yep. What, the greatest apology you can get is setting that that beautiful boundary between you and Auntie. Yep. And you know listen, what? nobody likes it. If you didn't, if somebody is happy with your boundary, it's probably not a boundary. Like if you need to set a boundary with people who violate boundaries, they're not gonna like it. That's exactly. why they're that's why they're violating them. Just, that part. Be, just prepare yourself for them not to like it. All right. So as we wrap up, first of all, Sarah, you're my new favorite person. And um you're, a part, of, you're, you're a part of my collection now, okay? Because I also <laughs> collect people. So Sarah is part of my collection and I hold tight. So get ready, Sarah. Love it. I love it. For a ride. Um, we're gonna wrap up with advice for Megan um about asking for the apology. I'm going with I don't think she should. No such thing. Not that's not it. Trust me, I've had plenty of toddlers in my life, and you actually can <laughs> force them to apologize, and it changes absolutely nothing. Nothing. Like they, they, because here's what's going to happen: you're going to get that apology with no action or no meaning behind it, and it's not worth it. And sometimes yeah. it's our ego. You know, Megan has been embarrassed in front of her family now, so now it's a little bit of that ego poking out, right? Like we don't, none of us like to be embarrassed. We don't like to feel shame. Like no. So I, I think Megan is on the right track. She's she is clearly trying to move forward. I just don't think she's going to get from Auntie what she deserves. But I also think that she's going to have to find some solace in knowing that that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's so much, Sarah. There's so much. So much. So much. (laughs) All right. So I know. I know. I started off and I said that Megan's auntie might have some soul searching to do. But damn, I think we might all have some soul searching to do. I know I do. 
Ultimately, when we're having these political conversations, we need to remember what Sarah said earlier. I also really like the idea of centering ourselves and our humanness, right? I'm human, you're human. Sometimes I forget that because sometimes the things that come out of your mouth make you sound like a demon, but you're not. You're a human, and I have to remember that. Megan's aunt did not give grace, but Megan approached her with constructive arguments and tried to have a conversation with her aunt about her beliefs. And at the end of the day, even if Megan's aunt doesn't apologize, she should. Megan has already won because she was the bigger person. We aren't ever going to win them all. We talk about it all the time. Sometimes there's battles you're going to win, and sometimes you just got to walk away. And in the era where everything, including something as simple as wearing a damn mask, is divisive, I think Megan did a really good job. I think she really stayed true to who she was. And I love that. She stood up for what she believes. So good for you, Megan. And even if that apology never comes, it's okay. Because you know what? You did deserve it. But we all have to recognize that we're going to live life and there are going to be apologies that never come. And we just have to push through that. Sit in that discomfort, Megan, and push through because you got this. I want to thank you for sending in your question. It was a really good one. And I want to thank Sarah for her time. And this is what we do. Every single episode, we will take one question. We will find that expert to answer it. And if you have a question, please send your questions because this is how our podcast works and I love it. If you have a question you want answered, send it to podcast at stillkicking.co. Again, that is podcast at stillkicking.co. Make sure to like and subscribe so we can keep getting people the answers they deserve. Help a Human Out is a Still Kicking podcast. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music, and you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>